The following episode contains some bad words like fucking shit. So throw a child into a chocolate river and please listen responsibly. Listeners, BMEOS, it's time for BME a movie. I'm Dave Michaels. Oh hi Dave, I'm Brian Betts. And this is the show where we go back and forth surprising each other with our future wives and our best friends <laughs> and our betrayals <laughs> and our accents that we can't quite place. <laughs> no idea what this accent is. And our age and our weird bodies and our sex scenes. And uh, all of that. You are my rose, Brian. You are my you are rose. My rose. You, you are, are my, my rose. rose. You are my rose. <laughs> I have been waiting to talk about this movie for four years, so roughly. Long. For so long. Happy birthday to me! You've given me one of the greatest gifts I've ever received <laughs> because you beard me this movie. And this week, today is my actual birthday. If you're listening to us on April 10th, the day it comes out. This week, we are talking about The Room from 2003, directed by Tommy fucking Wiseau. Written, directed, starring, produced by, executive produced by Tommy fucking Wiseau. He jerked off all over the screen, and then all over the credits, and then probably all over Greg Sestero. We'll get there. And somebody's dress. We'll get there. We will absolutely get there. (laughs) Brian, have you seen this thing before? I have, and you know for a fact that I have because you're the one who showed it to me the very first time. I show it to everybody, so I don't know who I've shown it to at this point. I have the Blu-ray for it, and even the Blu-ray has like the shittiest slipcover ever that got like printed <laughs> off an HP like inkjet. Amazing! Like, this is it. Got it from theroommovie.com. <laughs> I do have to apologize up front because one of our rules is that it has to be something you can stream, and. Uh... <laughs> that was not you, easy to do. You really can't with this one unless you're pretty crafty and find the right YouTube link, and then you have to just deal with the Italian subtitles. But it's fully unedited on YouTube if you're looking for it. Everybody stop what you're doing <laughs> and just go. Like, I won't be offended go. at this point. Do it. Pause. This movie is important enough. You have to watch it before you listen. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. This movie is important. Hard stop. Yes. Give me your thoughts on The Room. This movie is so fucking bad, it's amazing. This is like the ultimate car wreck. I cannot stop watching it. No matter what, you you, you want to look away, but you can't. I don't want to look away. I sincerely mean it. Every time I turn this thing on, I am sucked in. And it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, how? How does it happen? But yeah, just enthralled entirely by this movie. This movie is called The Citizen Kane of Bad Movies, and for good reason. (laughs) But it's had such a life of its own. Yeah. And it has the strangest man that has ever existed at the helm of it in Tommy Wiseau. I want to talk about him, but I wouldn't know where to start because- I don't even- (laughs) He's a legitimate mystery. Nobody knows his age, where he's from, where he got his money. No one has any idea. Greg Sestero, who plays Mark in this movie- He wrote the book, The Disaster Artist, about the making of this movie. Even he is kind of clueless about one of his best friends. He has no clue. This guy is an enigma. And one day he's like, I'm going to write a a play. 
And then he's like, I'm going to turn this play into a movie. Well, he wrote a book, and the book was like 500 pages long. Right. And no one bought it for good reason. And then he wrote a play, and no one wanted it for good reason. And then he made a movie, and he just- I will make a movie. Produced it. Like, all the monies? Six million dollar budget. And he put all of it in the show. How did he do it? We're going to find out the hard way. Do you want to get into it? Yes. The answer is yes. I very badly I've never wanted to get into it more than this. Very short synopsis, and that checks out. Super short. (laughs) Ah. You know what? I actually kind of have an IMDb trivia effect that's lodged in the back of my head. Okay. That, that I didn't write down, but I'm gonna I'm gonna drop it when it feels appropriate. Do you need a sip of scotchka before you drop it? Will that help <laughs> get the gears going? I feel like if scotch is gonna get anything going, it's gonna be a bad time. It's gonna be my tummy rumbling and then vomiting all over this microphone. I fully plan on gifting all of you something this episode. <laughs> We'll get there. <laughs> so our first category in our untitled score is uh, the story and motivation, which is pulled directly from the synopsis on wikipedia.com. .org. .org. You're right. It's an organization. Why uh, would you say .com? I don't know. Wikipedia is um, it's just Wikipedia to me. Yeah. I don't know why you continued it. That was weird. What a weird it was, choice. It felt weird. You know what, though? <laughs> weird choices seem to be the theme this week. That is very fair. So Johnny, played by Tommy fucking Wiseau, is a successful banker who lives in a San Francisco townhouse with his fiance. No, 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 no. It's not his fiance. <laughs> it's not his fiance. It's his future wife. His future wife, because we can't have any European languages in this movie. It's all English. <laughs> Lisa is played by Juliet Danielle, uh, who's in this movie. Give her a fucking, come on. She went through hell for this thing. All right, Juliet fucking Danielle, for your sacrifice. It's a big sacrifice. She got off the bus to do this movie. She wasn't even cast as this role, but no one was really cast as the person they were supposed to play the first time. No. People just kept coming and going. <laughs> Whenever they she was like felt the appropriate. fourth person in line for this role. And then now she's the second lead, I think. Or third lead, possibly. Think, uh, it's hard. It's hard to say. It's Tommy Wiseau and then everybody else. Exactly. Lisa has become dissatisfied with the relationship, but she hasn't. She seems pretty happy in that first scene, that sex scene that happens in the first five minutes of the movie. That's so long. That's where uh, Tommy Wiseau fucks a belly button, right? Uh, he definitely is not in the region he's supposed to be. It's not even close. It's like a weird elevator, and he made sure the sheet was just. High enough that you could see his the butt, like yep. his butt muscle. I'm showing yeah. Brian my butt as we're doing this. You are doing that. But he like showed his butt muscle thrusting into the wrong place. Yeah. Like I'm not a vain person when it comes to it being physical. Tommy Wiseau is the exact opposite. The exact opposite. Like the and he has the weirdest body ever, too. Like he <laughs> looks like he, he's like just a sack of skin that was stuffed with pebbles. Like, it's not muscles. A a pebble-stuffed sack of skin. Do you think, like, he had plastic surgery to make it look like he had muscles? (laughs) I don't think so, because his arms are cut. His arms are cut. But the rest of him is just odd. It's very weird, because, like, he has abs, but they're far away from where they should be. Do you remember Stretch Armstrong? Yes. Do you remember the villain of Stretch Armstrong, the red guy who I can't think of the name of? (laughs) No, not at all. like, the villain came with, like, a pump, and you would... Like, pump up this little squishy dude, and when you pumped it up, he got all hard, weirdly. Yes. And, like, that's, like, when he gets all hard and you see, like, the little 
I don't know what's in his body. They look like little balls almost. That's what Tommy Wiseau's body Tommy looks body. like. Yeah. You gotta be careful talking about pumps because Elizabeth Hurley might show up. <laughs> well, we'll talk about pumps then if that's the case. <laughs> I will gladly roll those dice. And do you want to very quickly talk about Denny? Um, because this we'll get... is also the introduction to Denny. This is the introduction to Denny. Denny Philip Haldeman. <laughs> How old is he? Too old. He's either 36 or 14. He's actually, he is older than the actors who play Lisa, Mark, and I want to say Chris R. Jesus. He's playing like a 20-year-old, possibly, I think. The only one I know is supposed to be older than everybody else is Claudette. And that's because she's the mother. Yeah, but Denny walks into this uh, this townhouse as Johnny and Lisa are about to get on. Like He goes up the stairs, he dives into bed, they have a pillow fight, and they're like, Denny, we love you, but you gotta go. Go home, Roger. And then he goes, I like to watch. I like to watch. That is what he says. <laughs> uh, yucky. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I, this was written by Tommy Wiseau. I don't think he meant it that way. No, there's a language barrier for sure. But at the same time, this he might have meant acted, it that way. Being acted like he meant it that way. Okay, welcome to my film set. What I need is a little boy to watch me fuck. <laughs> Who wants to be the little boy to watch me fuck? Want to know what's fun about doing a Tommy Wiseau it impression? It doesn't matter <laughs> what you do. Does not matter. You can't place his accent. It doesn't, yeah. Uh, just do something, and people be like, oh, you're doing a Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> oh, no, that's a great right. Tommy Wiseau. Oh, hey, it's me, Tommy Wiseau. Okay, maybe Nailed not that. It. <laughs> it's the best one you've ever done. So Lisa is dissatisfied with the relationship, even though she's not. Like, the, the dick is barely out of her by the time she's talking to her mother saying she's dissatisfied with the relationship. <laughs> it has been seconds in film time. So she seduces Tommy's best friend, Mark, who is played by Greg Ses- Sestero. Greg fucking Sestero, thank you. You know what? Yes. He gave this movie a third life. He absolutely did. And wow, you... you- Hopped right past the second life and went to the third life, and you're not wrong. Well, I think that the initial life of this thing was its weird theatrical run in billboards and whatnot. It's five-year billboard in L.A. And then it took time for the cult status to be a part of this whole story. That's true. And then it kind of, I don't think it ever died down. It just got bigger. Yeah. After he wrote his book and then after the Disaster Artist movie came out with the Franco brothers. Exactly. Yeah, Sestero kind of blew this thing up after it was starting to get the rumblings of blowing up. Oh, yeah. So Mark and Lisa begin a secret affair. They have sex on a spiral staircase. They sure do. And that's weird. That's super weird. And it is like, we're 20 minutes into this movie, it's the third sex scene. (laughs) It is like the third sex scene. And also, Greg Sestero was really uncomfortable doing the sex scene, so he did them all in his jeans. That's right. Kept his pants on. He kept his pants on. Because... There was enough ass on screen already. Thanks. There was Tommy so was much. Up. And like Tommy was so like got out of bed at the end of the sex scene and <sighs> walked to the bathroom and you see it all. Apparently he insisted on that scene being in the movie because otherwise they wouldn't sell tickets. <laughs> Can you imagine having that much confidence about anything in your life? <laughs> we need to keep my ass shot in the movie so people will come see it. Do you want to know how he filled up the balcony with all the peoples? I bend over. They don't only just see the outside, they see the inside of Johnny. Uh, you get to see Tommy Wiseau's uh, 
scrotum from behind. You sure do. It's a low hanger too. <laughs> you don't don't laugh. It's a low hanger. He it's should be hanger. worried about how low that scrotum is hanging. <laughs> Man, watch your knees. <laughs> So this is where Wikipedia gets a little bit ahead of itself, but I'm okay with it. Meanwhile, Johnny, having overheard Lisa confessing her infidelity to her mother, Claudette. Wow, that's like an hour into the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's played by Carolyn Minot. He attaches a tape recorder to their phone in an attempt to identify her lover by recording their phone conversations. Is it that easy to tap a phone? I, I guess. I don't know. He's, I mean, it looks like he's really struggling with it. He's got his tongue out the whole time. He's like... Really focused on tapping this phone. Well, I mean, it takes like three minutes to do it, and we know that because he doesn't cut. We don't cut. He just sits like there at all. trying to do a, a blue steel while he's plugging in this tape recorder to his phone. Dun, 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 dun. A hot tape recorder. <laughs> I feel like this is the appropriate time for that IMDb trivia fact that I've kind of committed to memory. Okay. Between the second sex scene and the party, nothing that happens in the movie is consequential to the plot. Duh. <laughs> I mean, I've seen this movie countless that. times. The second sex scene, by the way, is it's the 17 minute mark. Wow. So from, from 17 minutes to the almost like penultimate scene, nothing in the middle matters. No, and they like reuse shots from the sex scenes too. They do. Like a lot of them. Well, Tommy was always so proud of his performance that he's like Let's do another sex scene, but use the same same material. He didn't need to recreate it. Like, he nailed it the first time, or second time, or third, or whatever amount of times he abused poor Juliet Danielle. <laughs> okay, why don't we pan through the fountain again? Uh, quick question, cinematographer Todd Barron. Did you see my low hangers? <laughs> no, we positioned the blanket just right so we could only see half of your ass. Did you happen to catch my ass muscle? Doing its thing. <laughs> doing the ass muscle thrust into her clavicle. That is how you get pregnant, right? Clavicle That's sex. exactly how you do it. <laughs> right in the sternum. <laughs> it's like he's giving CPR with his penis. <laughs> Over, under on if he wore a modesty stock. Under. Under, under, <laughs> like the, the ultimate under. There's no way Not a he chance. did. <laughs> Not a chance. Oh, uh, you know what? Juliet fucking Danielle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that poor, poor woman. She gets so much shit for this movie, too. It's unbelievable. Well, I mean, her character is despicable in every way. Well, she gets it from her mother. Yeah. Like a lot of it from her mother. That's a like one of the of big it. cult things from Midnight. Whenever the mom says bye and she like touches her nose and says bye bye. Everyone in the theater yells, I put my evil in you! <laughs> hey, go easy on her. She just got her test results back, and she definitely, definitely has breast cancer. cancer. Boy, I hope that comes back. <laughs> it will not. It doesn't even get addressed when she says she has breast cancer on the spot. She's like, you'll be fine, Mom. Anyway. You know what, Mom? I'm so sorry that your breast got cancer. I got fucked in the belly button. Who's having a worse day, Mom? Oh, then I got fucked on the stairs. The guy didn't even take off his jeans. He didn't even bother. Do you see these birds around my cooch, Mom? And you're talking about your weird old tits that are all cancered up. My lips are fucked via Levi. <laughs> that would not be fun. If Greg Sestero went like full method and actually, he didn't use a modest sock, but he like got 
his pringiness through like the zipper. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> that is like no, I was going to do a method. It's fine. I was in Patch Adams for a scene. This will be great. <laughs> he was. He was in Patch Adams for the he funeral was, scene. He was in one scene of Patch Adams. <laughs> he needed the room. He needed that book. He needed it so badly. He probably couldn't even like write, and then he showed up and just learned how to write in order to write the book. Yeah. He's a weird dude, too. I believe it. He's friends with Tommy Wiseau. That's fair. <laughs> would you be friends with Tommy Wiseau? You know what? Yes. Yes, I would. I absolutely would. I mean, the man, like, I want to have a mystery for a friend. I know yeah, too like, much about you, Brian. And that's same. probably the problem at this yeah. point. We need to create a little more mystery in our, in our friendship, and then it'll be easier to deal with. I'll start wearing weird leather and throwing footballs at close range <laughs> and growing my hair out and everyone. wearing sunglasses with my fucked up eyes. It'll be great. All right. It sounds like the right track. It does sound like the right track. I'll start hanging out with somebody who's 10 years younger than me. <laughs> That'd be great. Thank you. And, you know, putting him through school. Buying him an apartment when he turns 18. Talking yeah. about adopting him when he's 17, which is weird too. And like not care when he's in love with my future wife. As long as he tells you, it's okay. Oh, Denny, it's fine. Oh, you my know God. I was going to say we're, we'll get there, but I think we're there. We're there. We made it. Denny, a neighboring college student whom Johnny financially and emotionally supports, has a run-in with an armed drug dealer, Chris R., but Johnny and Mark overpower and detain him. We can all agree, and this is like universally agreed, that Dan Janjigian yep. Jan- is the best actor in this movie. Dan Janjigian. By like is... a lot. <laughs> I believe that he's actually going to shoot him. I do too. He's so good and believable, but it could also be because he's surrounded by things that are not good and believable. There, there is that. It's I believe they call it island hot. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. There's this whole storyline of Denny owing money to a drug dealer, and we also never even discuss that. We have no lead into it. We have no outro to it. We just know this kid likes to watch, and then all of a sudden he's getting shaken down by a guy who inexplicably has a initial for his last name in his Chris in R. credits. But it's crazy because this guy just walks onto the roof, starts talking to Denny, who's throwing a football to himself at this point. Yep, because somebody has to be throwing And a Denny says, the money's going to be here in five minutes. Just give me five. It's like, who's bringing you the money, well, Denny? I was going to say, what is his plan here? <laughs> I have no clue. This is how you end up dead, Denny. You know what? Why was Mark at the apartment? Do you think Mark's the one who brings the money? Do you think I think he's Mark got, like, was weird... supposed to bring Denny the money. What does Mark actually do? Because I always took him for like a construction worker. I don't I know No why. idea. All I know is that in the opening scene, he's busy, and it's midday, and he's sitting in his car. He's like in traffic saying he's so busy. I'm I very can't busy. I talk right now. And then he fucks off to work to go uh, fuck on Lisa. That's right. So. It's the old fuck off to fuck on. I don't know what he does for work. No one does. But he has a beard. He does have a beard. For now. For now. <laughs> Denny also lusts after Lisa and confesses this to Johnny, who understands and encourages him to instead pursue one of his classmates. That's real classy. That is really classy, but also I don't think that's exactly what happened. That's not at all. Like, this is one of those fatherly moments from Johnny, and Johnny is a fairly likable character. He is. At least the story tells you he's supposed to be, where he's a very considerate guy. He takes care of all of his friends and his family. Everyone seemingly loves this guy. And Denny says, I want to fuck your future wife. Whenever she wears that red dress, I just want to kiss her and tell her I love her. Oh, it's, o- it's okay, Denny. I love the confidence from Johnny. Like, you can see the little weird French or Polish gears turning in his head. And he's just like, 
This kid stands no chance. I might as well just mentor. <laughs> you know what? I love that for you, Denny, but... <laughs> You have no chance. She loves you like a son or a friend. Johnny, let me tell you about Oedipus. <laughs> oh, hi, Oedipus. Johnny spirals into a mental haze and calls upon Peter, played by Kyle Vaught, who is in this movie for a couple scenes. Briefly. Leaves. His and Mark's friend, who is also a psychologist, for help. Do they say he's a psychologist? He's just really uptight. I know that. They and do he say he's real a psychologist. upset when people like ask him for advice. Yeah. I think in his conversation with Mark, it comes out that he's a psychologist. Do you want to know what makes me really, really happy? What? I, I can't believe I'm doing this voluntarily. There's a very pivotal scene. Yes. That we've skipped over. Oh, no. There's two. Uh, the first is Johnny buying flowers, <laughs> which is- He's my favorite customer. The greatest scene ever? Like, ever put to film. <laughs> it's so good. Johnny goes to buy flowers for Lisa. <laughs> he walks into a flower shop, wearing sunglasses- and we don't know what Tommy Wiseau looks like. He looks like uh, you a, do. <laughs> a French alien man with long black hair yeah. with a face that looked like it got run over by multiple different types of vehicles from like moped to 18 wheeler. <laughs> I don't know. One after another. Right. And he's wearing these sunglasses. He comes in and he says, I want a dozen roses. He lifts his sunglasses to which the lady at the counter says, oh, Johnny, I didn't know it was you. <laughs> which is im fucking possible. Insane. Absolutely insane. Oh, hi, doggy. The dialogue here is just rapid fire. It's fantastic because it's just Tommy Wiseau, Tommy Wiseauing all over the screen, and this woman who is not an actor no. playing a fl- flower shop because she actually just works at a flower shop. In San Francisco. This is like one of the few San Francisco actual scenes that they yeah. did on location. Yeah. And they're just stepping all over each other's lines. But the line, hi, doggy. Hi, doggy. Should be like in the Smithsonian. It Hang should. that line in the loop. Absolutely. Right next to the Mona Lisa. It's just the Mona Lisa and hot doggy. <laughs> the Mona Lisa with a word balloon. A hot doggy. <laughs> a hot doggy. The way that Da Vinci intended. Exactly. Presumably. He, it's kind of like a George Lucas, I'm going to go do the original trilogy over again with effects. It's stuff I didn't know I needed. <laughs> no, this was the original vision, I the swear. original intent. Ah! a lady who looks around and she can see all over wherever you are and she's very mysterious have you met Tommy Wiseau he's also very mysterious he's the male Mona Lisa <laughs> but I'm gonna put the word but we don't know how to do word balloons huh we don't know how to do sequential art that tells a story yet no alright well you know what 500 years from now they will <laughs> I'm gonna make the Mona Lisa say aha doggy aha doggy he allegedly asked if the dog was real when they showed up to shoot how do you not know if a dog is real? I don't and know. How do you... Lots of questions. You show up on location, somebody has a dog. You don't just assume it's fake. Is that a real dog? Sorry. Is that a real dog? Wow. Wow. That'll be $18. <laughs> Thanks. You're my favorite customer. And then, begrudgingly, we have to talk about... We do. ...the drinking scene. We do have to talk about the drinking scene. That kind scene. of sets Lisa's evil in motion, because Lisa is trying to frame Johnny. Right. Johnny is up for this big promotion, and he doesn't get the promotion, and he's upset about it. He's so upset that he sat on the couch. Yeah, and- That's how you know he's really upset. (laughs) Tommy never sits on the couch. Tommy doesn't sit on the couch unless something's wrong. Everybody else sits on the couch. Some people do other stuff on the couch and make lots of faces (laughs) while they do it. (laughs) Those ridiculous faces will get there. We should talk about that, too. You're right. Yeah. But- 
something huge happens here. And it's another thing that happens a lot in the midnight showings of this movie. Have you ever seen a midnight showing of this movie? No, I haven't. I want to so bad. You very badly need to. When the Ziegfeld was still open in New York City, I went to see a midnight showing of this movie. And I'm not a religious person, but I swear that I saw God or Jesus or whoever that night. (laughs) Or Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. You know that he's listed as supposed to be there in person for every showing? That's incredible. It is good marketing. And I, I have a friend who played football with him once in line for a movie, and I'm so jealous. So jealous. That's all I want out of life now. But Lisa says, we're going to have a drink. We're going to party. We're going to make you forget about you your You know I don't shit. drink. And Lisa comes out with two glasses. <laughs> Why am I doing this? I don't know, it's not, but I love it's it. It's because I promised you. That's the it problem is. with it. It is. Um, she comes out with two glasses full of scotch. And underneath her arm, she's holding a bottle of Sobieski vodka. Yep. She puts the two glasses of scotch on the table. And then, for whatever reason... <laughs> She pours vodka into the glasses of scotch scotch to create scotchka. Scotchka. And it is a drink that is passed around at the midnight showings of this, along with birthday cake. Of course. Because that happens later. But Brian, you have gifted me this movie for my birthday. Yeah. And I'm going to gift everybody listening the gift of me drinking scotchka. I'm very excited right now. I'm very much not. I was thinking about this like this afternoon of like, man, I hope Come it doesn't on, get brought it's up. good for you. Man, I hope it doesn't get brought up. Man, I hope it doesn't get brought up. And then I'm the one bringing it up because I yeah. just hate my fucking life. <laughs> you know, it'll help that. Scotchka, it's good for you. I gift everyone things on my birthday. It's true. If you go listen to our past show, I was the good guy. Brian was the bad guy. <laughs> I mean, debatable. Some people like Power Rangers, Dave. Yeah, you. It's just me. Just you. <laughs> I'm a good friend. I sat through a lot of those. Hey, I did Mall Rats. Yeah, you did. That was awesome, too. <laughs> uh, so, first I have Aberlauer 12. It's delicious on its own. It's good old scotch. Nice double cask matured single malt scotch whiskey. Nice. Let's just pour a little into there. That felt like too much already. <laughs> it was too much. Like, it's, I do big pours, and yeah. this here would be like a, a small pour for me. But it's not like a taste at all. This is like a proper pour. And then I have uh, a handle of Tito's. <laughs> and we're just going to pour this on it. class up this joint right now. <sighs> okay, here we go. Oh, it feels so wrong. That's got to be enough, right? Oh, I spilled it. Fuck. All right. Well, now my whole desk is going to smell like vodka the rest of this recording. Cool. <laughs> that's probably not that bad about for what I'm about to do. So that's fine. Yeah, um, no, I mean, it's probably better than it smelling like so scotch clear now. puke. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. That's way more than I thought you were going to do. Oh, God, the nose of this thing. <laughs> yeah, give me the full tasting notes. It smells like you have the scotch cutting through, but then there's that weird hint of rubbing alcohol also. Yeah. Um, everybody, I appreciate everything that you do listening to us asking your questions tuning in every single week for the past how many years you guys are the absolute best it's been good knowing you uh happy birthday to me happy i made birthday. it this far and probably no farther <laughs> cheers and dave is bringing the glass up to his lips smelling it oh he's not enjoying that smell here he goes oh boy big old wince on the face not enjoying it why <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're right. It's good. (laughs) That's so bad. It has. uh, It's like the worst parts of scotch and vodka. Guinness. Yeah. Hold on. (laughs) It had. Oh, that didn't help it. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. 
it has the scotch on the front of the mouth. And yeah. then when, when you swallow, it is just full vodka. That's it's, the worst. Yeah. It's two things that do not play well in the sandbox. <laughs> and that sandbox is now my intestines. Yeah. You're keeping it down, though. It's impressive. Is it like a really peaty scotch? No. No, I went with like one of the more That's easy good. drinkers. The smart. Yeah. Uh, I think. <laughs> the lingering taste. Is, is the worst? Is vodka. For the most part, it's vodka, but has like a hint of like woodiness to it. Oh, yeah. That's what I, woody vodka. This was a mistake. Happy <laughs> birthday I'm to so glad me. that you stopped us to backtrack, to co- talk about the scene so you could drink It's because I made a promise to you because I'm a good friend. Yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased. Happy birthday to you, but it feels like I'm the one celebrating. Johnny drinks scotchka. They drink a lot of scotch. You know they're drunk because Lisa puts uh, his necktie around her head. That's true. And they he also s- says, I'm hammered and I love you. They do the sex again. Of course. And then she goes on to say, <laughs> she's not satisfied again. And she also ordered a pizza with like Canadian bacon, which is a crime. It was half, half Hawaiian, half pesto. Yeah, there was like pesto notes it in It was there. just like... It's like, okay, I can get behind a Hawaiian pizza, and don't at me, but there's something wrong with a half Hawaiian, half pesto pizza. Not like they're going to taste it, because speaking from experience, their taste buds are dead for forever. (laughs) Because of the scotchka. (laughs) But then, of course, Lisa goes to tell uh, uh, her mother and a bunch of other people that that Johnny hit her. Right. To which she says, no, he did not. I did not. Grow up. Did not hit her. I did not. This is like the ultimate, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> like, if you watch The Disaster Artist, they show a reenactment of the filming of this scene. And yes. my God, does it take forever. I love that he has his script in his back pocket for the whole scene. For two lines. It's great. And I just noticed this time, it might just be because of the Blu-ray, the finely tuned Blu-ray. Mm. When he throws the water bottle down, oh my God, he might as well have <laughs> dropped a brick. There's a lot of football throwing and water bottle throwing in this movie. Yep. <laughs> I'll get back to that later. Yeah. So Mark is going to confide in Peter that he feels guilty about this affair. Yeah. To which Peter goes, don't do that. He's Peter's your best like, friend. He's like, hey, wait a minute. Are, are you having an affair with Lisa? And then Mark, you know, tries to kill Peter on this rooftop. But then he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And they're fine. They're totally fine. Like, they're Brian, totally if, cool. if you threaten to throw me off of a building. Yeah. Not even threaten. Like, you grab me, you like put I, me over I that edge. halfway over the edge. I can promise you I'm not going to cool down that fast. Just two minutes later, you won't be like, hey, so. Do you want to go wear tuxes and throw the ball Throw around? football <laughs> <laughs> There's so many random scenes of just like, let's wear tuxes and throw football. Hey, let's go to the alleyway and, and throw a football. And then somebody falls over and the, the end scene ends. I want to go on record. It's not that they're throwing a football like, hey, go deep. No. No, they the are closest. feet away to the point that if you throw it overhand, <laughs> I don't even know like if there's a point to it. They're like hacky sack di- distance from each other. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Throwing a football. Getting a good spiral. Oh, jeez. This fucking movie Underhand. is a masterpiece. <laughs> At a surprise birthday party for Johnny, his friend Steven, who is basically the new He player, has a name? Yeah, apparently. He is not named in this movie. No, he's his name is never mentioned in the movie. He's just a dude who shows up, and he's he's supposed to be Peter, but Peter left because everybody left this movie. Everybody left this point. movie. But Steven catches Lisa kissing Mark 
while the other guests are outside, and he confronts them about the affair. Outside, Johnny announces that he and Lisa are expecting a child. <laughs> out of nowhere! Out of nowhere! And Lisa later reveals that she lied about it in order to cover up the truth about the affair as she downs her alcoholic beverage. What she says is, when she's confronted of like, oh, when is the due date? She says, there is no due date. Well, why'd you say that, Lisa? Just to make things interesting. Just to make things interesting. She's the worst. She is the worst, but also Tommy Wiseau, who wrote this, just went, fuck it. Just to make things interesting. Just to make it, yeah. At the end of the evening, Lisa flaunts her affair in front of Johnny and in Mark. In front of everybody! She's him. making out with Mark on the dance floor of the, the room. Of Johnny's <laughs> birthday party. <laughs> and uh, Mark starts to attack Johnny. They start to fight. Is this the part where he says, why don't you keep your pins in your pocket? <laughs> Somewhere around there, yeah. What a lie. <laughs> keep, keep your thoughts in your pocket. <laughs> After the party, Johnny locks himself in the bathroom in despair. When he Do we leaves, know it's despair? He's like up against the door of it. And we just know that he's not doing great because he just calls Lisa a bitch. <laughs> and her mom. And her mom, that's and right. And she's got cancer. Come on. He doesn't have low hangers. <laughs> like someone. Like someone. Knee knocking. He's like kissing this mother a lot in this movie. I noticed it a lot this rewatch. I'm going to have to rewatch just to. They're catch like that only in because... two scenes, and like the mom comes into the room one time, and Johnny kisses her, and then he goes off to work. And then yeah. at the party, they're both sitting, and he gives her a kiss on the cheek also. It's like, yeah. Like she's putting her evil in her daughter, and I guess Johnny's trying to, like, I take the cancer out of you or something. <laughs> well, Claudette's whole thing is, is telling Lisa, like, hey, you don't have to love him, but you have to marry him because you need financial stability. Listen, I've had multiple husbands at this point. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> my brother is trying to take my house from me, or he just wants part of the money for it. My first husband I didn't actually love. Didn't actually love the second one. Didn't even want to have a child with him. I know you're that child. This is awkward. <laughs> I wish you didn't even exist. I didn't want to have you with, my, with your father. <laughs> Boop! Here's my evil. <laughs> oh, classic. When Johnny leaves the bathroom, he retrieves the cassette recorder that he attached to the phone and listens to an intimate call between Lisa and Mark, which is silly because he was just outside the door while they had the conversation. Yep. He was in the bathroom. They were in, she was in the next room having this conversation, but he's like, I need to prove it and gets the recording. Well, she was having the conversation definitely loud enough. Yeah. For Johnny to hear, but then Johnny like confronts her with this tape recorder and she's like, you heard that? (laughs) Oh. Outraged, Johnny berates Lisa for betraying him, prompting her to end their relationship permanently and live with Mark. That's because Mark says, let's ditch this creep. (laughs) I don't even like him anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I want to imagine that Martin McDonough saw this movie and then went, I have an idea for an Irish film called The Banshee of Inishir and that I'm going to write right now. (laughs) And that is a very specific reference. For not a lot of people. <laughs> How many times in that movie do they say, I don't want to talk about it just to end a scene? More than you think. Okay. More than you think. <laughs> because Lisa does that no less than six times in this movie. Well, there's a reason why. And we'll get there when we talk about the script. Yes. Yes, we will. Johnny has an emotional breakdown, angrily destroying his apartment and committing suicide by shooting himself in the mouth. This is like a la Citizen Kane. At the end of Citizen Kane, Orson Welles destroying. Yeah. His Xanadu 
It's just Tommy Wiseau just knocking over pictures on a shelf. And then the pictures and fall then, away because the catch is on the camera? Yeah. Like that? Yep. And then rubbing <laughs> the red dress from the beginning of the movie all over his crotch. He fucks uh, a garment. Yeah. He, he 100%. Uh, interestingly enough, he gets it in the right place this time. He absolutely does. I, I don't know how one would do clothing. You know what? Tommy Wiseau knows. He absolutely does know. Apparently, they originally filmed this scene in the living room set, and he didn't like it, so they reshot it in the bedroom, and that's when he decided he was going to fuck this dress, and everybody was shocked and appalled because they had no idea he was going to do it. Hey, man, he's an artist. Exactly. You, you can't take that away. Like He had you can't a, teach that. an inclination to put this dress all over his low hands, and he just went for it. Hearing the commotion, Mark, Lisa, and Denny rush up the stairs to find his dead body and the gun that he shot himself with in his hand. <laughs> it's my favorite possible moment in this movie. How there's blood everywhere. everywhere but they're like, Surrounded by it. Wake up. Wake up, Johnny. Wake up. Is he dead? Johnny, are you dead? And I like how Mark puts his like hand behind his head and he pulls out and there's blood. There's and blood he's, in like, his hand. he's like, he's dead. And it's your fault, Lisa. <laughs> Mark blames Lisa for Johnny's death, admonishes her for her deceitful behavior, and tells her to get out of his life. And then the cops come, an ambulance comes, despite no one calling them. Nobody has called, but Denny tells Lisa and Mark to leave him with Johnny, and they step back to give him a moment, but ultimately, they all stay and comfort each other as the police arrive. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's The Room for 2003. I, I don't have room. much more to say about that. There is little wow. of consequence that happens in this movie. Like I said, everything from the second sex scene at 17 minutes into the birthday party at the end. Perfect 10. <laughs> if it's not a perfect 10, it's at least a solid three. Okay. I feel like that's closer. Where are you leading? I have no idea, but it's not a 10. <laughs> Maybe not to you. But I love it so much. It's hard not to love it. Story motivation go. There's a whole lot of story here that's not told. There's a whole lot of motivation that's not shown. There's barely any, in fact. That's right. Uh, gentleman's four. A gentleman's four. I'm I'm for it. The gentleman's ah, four. That's writing. That's Let's what we see. call that. Hey. God, and then the Tommy was Scotch is like repeating in my belly right now. Oh no. Uh casting. Is the next category. Casting. Uh, it's going to be either really high or really low. I think it's a zero, <laughs> but it gets the five point Tommy Wiseau bump. Sold. I'm so for that. <laughs> I have no idea what the Rotten Tomatoes on this is, by the way. I, I stopped looking up. Absolutely no clue. Because I don't want any like sway at all when I'm thinking of these things. I have a feeling the critical score is very low and the audience score is very high. Through the roof? That's my assumption, but I could be wrong. Protagonist, Johnny. It's definitely Johnny. Here's Johnny. Johnny is like the nicest guy in the world. He's like, you know, putting Denny through school. He's supporting his future wife. He's a good guy. When you get past the horrible script, the horrible acting, he made his character the likable one. Right. And he is. Absolutely. He's got all these friends who show up for a surprise party. Yeah. You know, he, he lends his apartment out to... Other people around the area so they can make out. They only make out, but they take that's, their underwear off when they make out. That's true. They do take their underwear off when they make out. I don't even know where to slip that in, but there's two friends that are there and they're just making out and one makes all the faces while eating He chocolate. makes so many faces. 
And he also gets knocked down by a football at point blank range into garbage cans at one point too. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Does he get knocked down by the football or does he get knocked down by Mark? I'm unsure. (laughs) But protagonist, Tommy Wiseau. Six. Six. (laughs) Sure. Why not? (laughs) I love it. Sounds good. Antagonist. It's got to be Lisa. It has to be Lisa. Lisa is just the worst. She is. I don't love him anymore. No, she's out of nowhere. Her motivation is I don't know where because she's very willing to sleep with this strange looking man. Yes. While playing with his emotions and boning the other strange looking man. Mark Who's less strange looking. I love that he just shows up when they get their tuxes a month before the wedding and he's completely clean shaven and they're like, oh, baby face, let's go throw footballs. And then they say, what are you, chicken cheap, 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 Because that's what chickens sound like. That is famously chickens sound like. Lisa, the antagonist. She's tearing me apart. I'm, I'm going to go right down the middle of the five. Yeah. She's horrible. But like so not, in the, not in the good way. <laughs> yeah. Screenplay. I don't even know where to begin with this one, but let's just dive on in. As we said before, Tommy Wiseau wrote this as a book. It was like yeah. 530 500, pages. 600 pages. Whatever yeah, it was. Somewhere in there. Publisher said, absolutely not. He wrote it as a play. Everyone said, absolutely not. He made the film himself. Yeah. He sent it to Paramount, and they usually take about two weeks to review a movie and get back to you. Within 24 hours, they had said no. In the screenplay, he clearly does not have screenwriting experience because the way scenes start is a high insert person here. Yep. And the way things end is, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Don't worry about it. I don't worry about <laughs> it. Like, there's a definitive start and end yes. to every scene. Oh, hi. Don't worry about it. There are some great lines in this, There's though. so many good lines in this movie. And I don't know if they're designed and to be great lines or I don't if think it's so just at all. the weird man delivering things the way that he does in his weird, weird way of talking. And also, as, you know, producer, executive producer, director, etc., he had the, the wherewithal to be like, hey, everybody, stick to the script. I don't want any ad <laughs> So everybody is delivering Tommy Wiseau's words. They sure are. Eight. Eight. <laughs> I hate it so much, but yes. It's dead on. You can't tell me I'm wrong. No, no, I can't. Uh, Wow. Um, It's like the dirtiest eight. Because it's either going to be an eight or a two. There's no other spot it can land. It's it's like it's an 11 or a negative one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Dirty eight for the screenplay. Let's talk about the style and tone. I don't even know where to begin because (laughs) another midnight thing that happens is during a lot of shots, the audience will yell out, damn you, Todd Barron, who is the director of photography on this. He shot yeah. it, and he did a terrible job. But I also don't know if it's his fault. That's true. Um, I find myself, every time I watch this movie, a little bit impressed that it's better than I expected it to be. Every single time, and that's fair. But Todd Barron had to shoot this thing in a way that no one should ever have to shoot a movie. <laughs> because Tommy Wiseau did not rent equipment like any sane person would do, he bought it. That's how you get a $6 million budget. And he bought a package that's called like the director intro or whatever it is. And it came with two film cameras, two HD digital cameras. To which he said, I'm going to shoot this on both at the same time. So he built a custom (laughs) rig that required two entirely separate camera crews to shoot the movie with two cameras running simultaneously, and they side only end side. up using the film. Which is amazing. But 
that means that there's all this footage that they could easily put together a 3D cut of this movie. They definitely could, but the movie, I don't know if it's lit for film or lit for digital. They're not lit the same way. Well, Tommy Wiseau doesn't know that. That's true. That's part of the style. And then he kind of left his options open while filming this by filming scenes in multiple locations because he wasn't sure how he wanted it. So they would film one scene in the room and then they would film like the same scene outside in a weird alley that they constructed or they'd film that same scene up on the rooftop which was all green screen or they'd film that scene in like a park in san francisco or something (laughs) like the aforementioned death scene where it was filmed in the living room and in the bedroom there's no rhyme or reason for a lot of what happens it's all just how tommy feels on the day i don't know whether to go high or low with this one Again. This this one kind of feels like it should be low. I think I want to go three. Okay. Because bad is a style and tone. And it's not on purpose, but but it's uniform. That's the surprising part to me. Four? Let's do four. Okay. (laughs) Fine with that. (laughs) That's the I like it, damn it, bump. Exactly. Uh, Director. Tommy Tommy fucking Wiseau. Now, the script supervisor, Sandy Schlutter has said multiple times that he basically directed this movie because Tommy Wiseau was so caught up in acting in it that he was like, you know, tell the actors where to go and what to say, etc. And then uh, Schlerer is like, I kind of want directing credit on this. And then, of course, Greg Sestero jokes that claiming directorial credit on this is like claiming to have been the Hindenburg's principal aeronautics engineer. <laughs> but there's multiple accounts that basically Sandy Schlerer was the, the director of this movie in the end. Do you think he's happy that his name's not on this or sad? I think he's sad because he's still looking for that credit. He's never going to get it. No, it's not going to happen. I mean, the amount of times that the opening credits say Tommy Wiseau is insane (laughs) because the movie starts off like it normally would. Like you see the lady holding the torch, the Paramount torch or whatever it is in a movie, or you get the MGM lion or whatever it is. Well, in this this one is it's Wiseau films, but it's like three different versions of the logo. Yes. Yes, it's so good. Just immediately you're like, okay, yeah, multiple production. Wait, that says the same thing as the it's last the same one. thing. It's funny because like he puts his name on everything except executive producer. There are three executive producers on this movie. It's Tommy Wiseau, Chloe Leitzk, and Drew Caffrey. And it turns out that Leitzk is just Wiseau's ESL tutor. Had no involvement in the film whatsoever. Wasn't Caffrey dead? And Caffrey's been dead since 1999. <laughs> what the hell, man? How does that even work? I don't understand at all. I think my favorite credit was assistance to Mr. Rizzo. Oh. Did you see what it said? I didn't. I just saw that there were six listed. Yeah, it was pretty much everyone in this movie. <laughs> and like everyone on the crew. Like Greg Sestero's listed as an assistant to Amazing. Mr. Rizzo. No notes. None at all. <laughs> For director... I'm going with a three. Oh, I thought you were going to say 10. I debated going 14, but (laughs) three felt a little more appropriate. All right, three it is. Are we still doing the five point Wazo bump? Eight, you're right. (laughs) That makes it an eight, right? No, I think (laughs) maybe three. Maybe it stays at three. Because it isn't entirely Wazo. That's exactly right. So yeah, we don't have a Schlair bump. That's right. Next category is music. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this is not good. Mladen Milicevic is the, um, the the composer on this, and uh, 
it reads a lot like a like a Skinamax sound. <laughs> it sure does. Track. It's just like, uh, oh, this is going to be a sex scene, so let's put on the porn music. And then the sex scenes happen, and it's just straight up porn music for the yeah. most part. Of yeah. you are my rose, you are my rose, you, you are, are my, my rose. rose. I have something here that I've never done before, but um, it felt appropriate for this movie. I went to the YouTube um, channel for for Tommy Wiseau, and he has a bunch of stuff from this movie from the soundtrack, and um, I found the video, or just like a recording of "You Are My Rose." And I went down to the comments, and okay. there's just one that I had to read. And it says, I play this song with every woman I've ever been with <laughs> while we were piping. And only a few would know where I got the song from. And those who did, I piped even harder. So two things there. First of all, I think Bravo. <laughs> I Secondly, I'm not sure he's ever been with a woman because he used the word piping twice. Piping twice. Yeah. So. You know what? He plans on piping harder. Anybody who understands where the song That's came from. Very That's what fair. it was. Uh, ladies who date this fella, uh, wrap up your belly buttons or something. <laughs> safe sex saves lives. Practice safe sex. <laughs> Wear a flak jacket. I don't know how to tell you this, miss, but you have chlamydia in your belly button. <laughs> what are these bruises on your thigh from? It's a long hanger. It's, just a, it's a long hanger. You can't help the long hanger. How old was the guy that was such a long hanger? Uh, he was either 26 Honestly, or 75. I don't know. I tell you. Couldn't I'm tell pretty you. sure he was stuffed with rocks, though. He was absolutely stuffed with rocks, and I don't mean like Fifth Element style. I'm talking like <laughs> actual landscaping pebbles and stuff. Like if you were to plow that driveway in the winter, you want to lift the plow up just a little just bit. A little so you're bit, not going to yeah. fuck up that driveway. Exactly. That's what this man is stuffed with. <laughs> He's a brick pile. Such a weird guy. What so are we talking weird. about? I forgot. Music. 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 One. One. It's terrible. One. I like that. The pity point. Next category is box office. Uh, we have no say here. It's a $6 million budget. It only made $4.99 million. In the initial run. In the initial run. I mean, sure. Now it's probably made a ton of money. Sure. But uh, that's an 83%, which is a, a two. Okay. That was exciting. Yeah. And then the final category, which I think might actually be a doozy, is the impact on the industry. I'm going to go with a 10. Yeah. It got a making of movie. And that making of movie got nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. It sure didn't. It probably would have won if James Franco wasn't James Franco. If James Franco wasn't James Franco. That is a great movie. Disaster Artist is so well done. Like, so the book good. is a great read, but the way that they adapted the book to the movie... The they movie. made it like a celebration of failure in the best way. It's fantastic. I actually teared up a little the first time I watched it. I did too. It's it so was good. so well done. Also, in post-production right now is a remake of this movie starring Bob Odenkirk as Johnny. So that feels like an 11 if I've ever heard of one. And that's like the most 11 thing I've ever heard. Sold. 11 for impact on the industry. Not to mention the midnight showings, the pop culture phenomenon, the Citizen Kane of bad movies. It feels like the appropriate time to remind everybody that it's all arbitrary. It's so arbitrary. <laughs> We're going to completely it's blow out the Rotten Tomato score on this one, I think. Literally never been more arbitrary than this no, one not right for here. This one. <laughs> not for this one. If you're taking this thing seriously, oh, 
That's on you. That you don't understand the spirit of the room. <laughs> exactly. And for the love of God, if you are still with us and you have not seen this movie, stop. Stop and go watch, watch the it. movie. It's so good in the worst way. The final score for The Room is a 49. That got dangerously close. Did it? I was not ready for that. Yeah. The uh, Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter, this is a rotten movie at 26%, which is higher than I thought it would be. Yeah, it is. The audience scores 47%. Oh, my God. That was really close. Wow. That's crazy. But that is The Room. Brian, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I'm just as happy as you are. And I guess I got to ask you, what are we talking about next week? Next week is um, your actual birthday. We're kind of taking a week off, so we don't have to record on your birthday. That's right. And because I'm such a giver on my birthday, we are giving you all something that we promised in December that we got too drunk to give you in December. Yeah. And now that I've heard it, I have regrets. <laughs> I have so many regrets. I'm uh, on the fence about releasing this episode for a lot of um, reasons. I understand why. But next week, it's only 35 minutes long, <laughs> but it is, I, I guess it's safe to call it the synopsis because that's kind of when we both died. When yeah, we, were doing yeah. It. I, we got through the movie, and that's where it where it kind of ends. Yeah, I remember being outside trying not to throw up after we got through the movie while we were still recording. Yeah. But just kind of to set the scene for what we did. Well, it was back in December. We did our first Crappy Hour episode with Kirk Cameron saving Christmas. Right. And we got very, very drunk while doing that episode. Way too drunk. So that we could do a drunk Christmas episode of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. We succeeded. We succeeded in getting too drunk to do an episode, <laughs> but the audio is completely saved. I've edited Somehow. it to a point, but next week we're gifting you what remains of the drunk episode for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Whew. Yeah. It is a doozy. And Godspeed. I mean, it's hard to get through, I think. Listening to it, I was cringing the whole um, time. Yeah, I, I did not uncringe at any point in the entire recording. From the first time I hear myself speak, and I go, oh, wow, I was very drunk. Yeah, you kept talking about pickles. I, I loved the pickles. <laughs> I repeat myself more in that episode than I think I ever have. Brian keeps reminding everybody how drunk we are throughout the entire <laughs> recording. And I keep reminding you to subscribe to Patreon to figure out how we got there. Yes, that's exactly it. But next week, finally, it's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, The Drunk Cut. Until then, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Send us your movie suggestions for next month's listener pick. And our patrons always get double picks. So join us on Patreon. This month, we're going to be doing our most ambitious bracket episode ever with, you know, a bunch of wrestling people from four decades of, of the WWE and we have a whole slew of guests lined up, so it's going to be... Um, interesting. Interesting. To put That's, it lightly. Yeah. Especially because Dave and I, uh, we know so little about wrestling. I know enough about wrestling. I've read a couple books. I've read uh, Mankind's Have a Nice Day. I've okay. read The Squared Circle, which is a, a great history of wrestling. Oh, you're definitely ahead of me. I've just hung around people who like wrestling. Yeah, but I think the production of wrestling is fantastic. Like, I think it's fascinating the yeah. way that they do it. Well, you got to keep it. Keep it kayfabe, bro. Come on. I'm going to make our friends mad. And I can't wait. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like I'm going to be right there with you. Perfect! So join us on Patreon for that. Uh, be sure to email us your movie picks, questions, comments to beermemoviepod at gmail.com. And follow us on social media at beermemoviepod on Twitter, 
an at beer me movie everywhere else like instagram and facebook and facebook we always put up a post on a recording day asking for your questions and comments yeah we got one and it is jeff Miners, and he wants to know what's the best birthday gift that you ever got oh um i have no idea my life is a pretty good one oh I'd i like say. that that's a good answer uh dave's life best dave's birthday life gift i ever got is the best gift that anyone's ever got i don't want to talk about it that's the way to bail out. Well done. <laughs> Brian, have you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. We're going to see you guys next week for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, The Drunk Cut. We'll see you then. Next week is going to be embarrassing for the Beer Me Boys. See you then.